Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, this show is all about a little-known card game called Magic the Gathering. If you're watching the video right now, I'm holding up what they call a Magic the Gathering card. Um, this is Arcades, the Strategist, or Arcadist, however the hell you say it. I don't know. I don't care. It's spelled exactly like Arcades. So, whatever. Um, anyways, uh, this week, we have on... We have on none other than the Maverick Girl, a.k.a. Kendra Smith, who is a pretty well-known MTG popper streamer on Twitch. And brought her on to talk about... Uh, a, we talked a lot about popper and then talked about um, going to conventions and just all-around magic altogether. It was um really fun time. Had a really fun time talking with her. And I hope you all really enjoy the interview as well. But before we begin, let's get some announcements out of the way. Uh, I am scheduled to be at Grand Prix Orlando from August 10th through the 12th. That's coming up really, really soon here. I'm super excited. Um, also scheduled to be at Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. Um, Magic Wazubi can be found on the following at facebook.com slash on Twitter at magicwazubi, and you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Um, we are located on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, and on YouTube. Uh, just search youtube.com slash Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N, for the channel, or just search Magic Wazubi. Um, Magic Wazubi is also sponsored by Manatraders.com. If you are tired of having to buy decks to just play leagues on Magic Online, look up renting them with Mana Traders. Um, if you go to Manatraders.com and subscribe, you make sure you use coupon code MTGZUBY on checkout. That's MTGZUBY because you will save 50% off your first three months if you do so. So definitely take advantage of that offer today. Um, and then also we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash If you want to help support the show in any way possible, um, definitely check out that. And there's a lot of cool rewards out there for you all to check out. So let's get the rest of the ads out of the way and get right into the interview. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on magic singles and magic sealed product available. Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt. Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! Hey everybody, Zuby here, and I am here with the Maverick Girl, a.k.a. Kendra, and I brought her on to really talk about her and her magic streaming and just about magic in general and whatever the heck else we decide to talk about. Um, I guess to start off with, if you want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about yourself and your magic career, that'd be great. Sure. Hi there, everyone. Um, 
I am, as Zuby here mentioned, I am uh, Kendra Smith, uh, the Maverick Girl, as I'm known online. Um, I've been playing Magic for uh, just shy of about 20 years now. I've been playing since uh, Urza Block, Unglued, Starter 99, oh, nice. just playing very casually. That's when uh, I started too, the Urzas. Right? Yeah, for um, for a couple of years, and then um, started to get a little more competitive with uh, around onslaught block. Very you know janky builds, nothing particularly good. Everybody has that first you know step into FNM, and it's like here's my <laughs> deck, it's gonna be great. And no, it's not. <laughs> um, and then I uh, pl- tried playing on and off for a couple of years. Um, actually quit in 2008 around Lorwyn, just the. Okay. Uh, scene had dried up around where I was and then uh, I just kind of came back with a bit of a vengeance in uh, around 2010, 2011 and, and that would have uh, been what, M12 or M11 around then? It's about, uh, yeah Rise of Eldrazi and okay. um, Scars of Mirrodin roughly and uh, found a, col- a group in college, we played a lot of EDH and things just kind of like spiraled out from there and just I've just been playing a ton and I just, I have you know continued to grow my love for magic it's just i think it's the best game ever made and i absolutely love it to death that's awesome that's awesome so i know you're probably more well known for popper now um when did you start getting into popper exactly so i have actually played popper very on and off over the years um I tried it a little bit back around again that 2011 2012 period when I was really starting to get back into the game. Okay. Um even even though I was actually actively playing things like, you know, at the time it was standard, I was playing Tempered Steel cuz I'd had an, um, some pretty decent results in paper. Um and I also translated that into playing Modern with Affinity. But I want to try some other things too. And I decided to try Popper. I tried the Affinity list there, didn't really care for it too much. Played very differently from what I was used to. Um I tried Storm because that was actually <laughs> what was the meta at the time. Yeah. So before Wizards really was paying attention to the format as a whole. <laughs> and um, I didn't like the deck. I didn't like how it played. It basically depended on who got lucky first. Yep. And who was able to snap off, like, who was able to get off their lands because uh, they came in to play tapped and you had to sacrifice them in the right order and things like that. And so it depended on who was able to get them down first and who pulled the trigger successfully first. And I just felt like, you know, um, just uh, stand off, you know, an old, you know, Western shootout duel. And just, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. It wasn't very fun to me. Um, but that was like my first attempt. I tried it and I thought it was okay. Then... Um, a year or so later, they finally banned the storm cards. I yeah. and then you, the format was pretty much overrun by Cloudpost decks, which is basically the precursor to the modern day Tron decks. Yeah, and at the time, they didn't really feel like they had much of a win condition. You know, now you have like Rolling Thunder, you have your Mole Drifters, or what have you, Dinrova Horror. You have a lot of different things that you can do with Tron now, but back then it didn't really feel like you you were really doing a ton. Uh, but Cloudpost was able to give you a lot more mana than a lot of times the Tron yeah. really can. So um, it felt more degenerate, but it felt like it was still kind of boring. There wasn't really a lot yeah. that was really grabbing me about the format. There wasn't really a lot that was interesting. 
to me. So I, I tried it and I wasn't too impressed. Then, um, you know, and obviously around that time I was also getting into other formats. Obviously, like I said, I was getting into modern. Well, in paper, I was also getting into legacy and had been playing. I had built at the time, I don't know, four or five minimum legacy decks. Oh, nice. Ma- Maverick, which is obviously where my username <laughs> come from. Uh, built High Tide, Burn, Blue Red Delver. I mean, I had a pretty good selection of decks. Um, and it was just, Popper just didn't really seem to interest me very much. But then um, my job shifted. I wasn't able to, whereas um, a lot of, I was working at a uh, place that was uh, 50-50. Half the business was in the daytime, half of it was in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. Uh, the store I was working at closed. They moved me to another store where about 80% of the business was in the nighttime. So as a re- direct result of that, I wasn't able to go to like a lot of um, you know, M's and things like that anymore. As a result, I really kind of stopped playing Magic for the large part. I played occasionally online, especially when you had uh, Cube uh weeks and everything yeah i played a hell out living hell out of them but i've really stopped playing for a while and i did sell out a lot of my a lot of things at different points in time um i know at one point i had some medical expenses and i ended up actually selling my maverick deck uh Mm, to cover that it it was unfortunate but i also really wasn't playing it at the time yeah you know a lot of the local legacy events had kind of dried up um so there really wasn't as much incentive for me to keep playing the format and um so at some point it really came down to i basically had nothing i had no real collection to speak of i would occasionally play some drafts go to some stores yeah but what also started to happen was like um we had uh a couple stores near me when i was in uh tampa still we had anthem games and learn to play in a couple places like that and they were like 15, 10, 15 minute drives tops. Very close, very easy to get to. And so I was able to go to them on a frequent basis. Well then, both of those stores ended up closing. And what yeah. ended up happening as a result of that is the nearest stores suddenly became like 35 minutes away. So it was a drive to get anywhere and it wasn't really enjoyable, it wasn't, didn't really seem worth it a lot of times to go out and play. So I just ended up playing a lot online instead. And then, probably about two years ago now, um, I tried out the format again, uh, Popper, just mm-hmm. to try and get myself back into it. I had moved um, back into a more stable environment again, and felt like, hey, I could try it. I could try doing some magic again. I just gotta ease my way into it, though. I can't just, you know, I have bills now. I can't just <laughs> go. I can't go like balls to the wall and just like, spend an entire paycheck on like. You know, not anymore. Half part of a, like a modern deck or a legacy deck, like yeah. I did like back in high school or college, and um, so instead of that, then I ended up um, saying I'll try this format out, and I thought of really cool, interesting things you could do, and I my first deck was actually um, mono black control, and that was how I got Ooh. back into the format. I nice. tried that because I like the idea of. Uh, going Gary for a lot. Mm-hmm. In one of my attempts to try and, you know, play the form, play the game a little bit, I did play 
mono black devotion in Theros block standard, and I thought it was okay. Um, <laughs> but I liked I liked kind of like finishing with Gary. Yes, I, I miss him. Really, I thought it was really cool. So I thought that was going to be a really cool way to start in Popper too, and I liked it. Um, and I thought the deck did play pretty well, and I enjoyed playing it. The problem that I had with it though was the good matchups were pretty good the great matchups were great and you just steamrolled like again mono black versus elves yeah. every day easy <laughs> you get your shovel you're done kumbadriches you're done you know it's it's one of elves hardest matchups for sure um but then you would get pitted against blue black teachings and let me tell you that is the most miserable matchup i have ever faced now why is that i'm not uh, i mean i i play popper here and there on magic online um i don't get to play as often but um, i'm not familiar with a lot of the meta or the decks or anything like so, that so with like elves i can like go off i can do a lot of things stompy mm -hmm. i can go off do a lot of things i can come back from like you know blue black teachings doing stuff and popping off my board and everything with mono black control you have a lot of lands so you're drawing a lot of lands as you're drawing those lands, your opponent is drawing a lot of gas. They're going teachings for cards. They're going cantrips for cards. And there's getting nonstop options um, at their disposal to stop you from doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have a creature, they're going to counter it. Um, either that or they're going to let you play it, get your value off of it, and then they're going to kill it. And that's the entire match. Oh, that sounds it, miserable. It doesn't really <laughs> give you any opportunity or leeway to do anything. And it's just just an absolutely atrocious, feel-bad matchup. What also doesn't help with it, too, is obviously Mono Black Control has a lot of removal options yeah. in its suite. Those don't do anything against Mono or against um, Blue Black Demir Teachings because they usually don't run creatures or if they do now they just run auger bolas yeah which you know is a it's negligible yeah so if anything they don't even always attack with it they just have it as like a blocker to hold up against uh different aggro decks mm -hmm. to really you know help them stay in the game long enough to control the board state and um but mono black control doesn't really have a lot of options that they could bring in from the sideboard um, to replace that removal. So a lot of times what you're going to be left with is a lot of dead cards that you can't do anything with. So it just felt like an absolutely atrocious uh, bleh, atrocious <laughs> matchup. And then um, and, and it was just it just felt so bad. Um, from there I went and built um, Teamertron. Now obviously the current Pomper Tron list revolved around Mnemonic Wall and Ghostly Flicker combo, but time, not so much. It was more Fangrim Marauder with um, uh, Olmog's Crusher, and you would have okay. a lot of um, like Sacrifice Artifacts, Chromatic Star, Expedition Map, um, Chromatic Sphere, and you would sacrifice a lot of these. You'd also have Mole Drifters and um, Haunted uh, Fengraft to get them back, as well as um, Rolling Thunder as an extra finisher. Yeah. So you, it, it had options and it would sometimes go to time, but it wasn't like you have to be really quick with your clicks. 
you have to do a lot of this and you have a lot of choices. It was a very, it was a lot more of a linear kind of uh, Tron form. So it was a little easier to play, but still had its own struggles that made it challenging to play. And I still, I really enjoyed it as a deck. Um, and for a little while, I think I actually liked it the most. Um, but now it's completely outclassed by the current brand of Tron and just isn't really that good anymore. It pops up every once in a while, but not as much as it used to. Um, and from there, I ended up trying out um, Stompy and Blue or Mono Blue Delver. Uh, Blue Red hadn't really emerged on the scene yet at the time. Oh, okay. So um, I went ahead and tried both of those. I didn't really like Blue, Mono Blue Delver. Uh, it's a very strong deck, was very strong at the time. Uh, but I didn't like how the plays were. Um, there's a lot of line. There's obviously many, many lines, and it, Delver is definitely one of the decks that um, benefits from you having format knowledge. And this was me basically still. I'm new to the format. I'm trying yeah. to learn the format and get a grasp on the format. So then I played Stompy and I found I really did well with Stompy, but I also got frustrated with Stompy too because Stompy is the kind of deck that you can do really well with it. And it's easy to play. You can blitz through leagues. And, and if, honestly, if you're lo- looking to get into Popper as a format, um, I think Stompy is actually the best way to start to get to know the format. Really? Because you'll breeze through leagues. You'll go through leagues fast. You can do decent with the deck. Okay. So it performs well. And it's easy to learn. Um, yeah, I guess I can also- see that. Yeah. So you'll get, um, and you'll get more interaction out of it than you will, say, burn. Okay. You know, anybody can pick up burn, but burn is throw bolts, throw bolts, throw bolts. <laughs> Whereas Stompy <laughs> has a little more interaction to it. You know, you're, when do you use your binds? When do you play uh, Riverbow and regenerate it? Where do you put your rancors? Yeah. There are th- things like that. There's a lot of play to Stompy, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, what, uh, I didn't really like, though, was Stompy has this thing about it where, like I said, it's easy to learn, Mm -hmm. but as many of those kind of decks are, it's easy to learn, but it's very difficult to master. You have about, your typical player probably falls into an 80%, 90% range where they're pretty good with it, but they're not great with it. And it's that last, like, 10, 15% that really get the ins and outs of the deck. Again, they get, when do you Vines of Vastwood? Do you use it as a pump spell, or do you use it as a counter spell? By countering, you know, by playing it on one of your creatures to, you know, negate a removal spell or something like that from your opponent's side. Um, And there's, you know, when when I'm playing Elves, I look at a Stompy player and I go... That's an easy matchup, but then I can <laughs> I I end up going up against someone like um, Grimfax or uh, Dissonance, who are two very well known Stompy players, and I definitely start shaking my boots a little bit. It's uh, you know, because when they know what they're doing and they really know how to play, they can give you a run for your money, no matter how good of a matchup you have oh, against yeah. them. Um, so uh. And it basically stayed like that for a while. I basically just kept at those four decks for a while, and that's you can actually see that reflected if you actually go into my stream. Um, I don't think it's as easy to see now, but the little banner 
because they would let you put a banner for your stream as well as a uh, profile picture. And my banner is um, Grey Merchant of Asphodel, <laughs> um, Rancor, Fangren Marauder, and Delver of Secrets, which represent those first four decks that I ended up playing. Oh, nice. Um, and then eventually, at some point, I decided, hey, you know what? I'm looking at this thing on um, MTG Goldfish, and... Um, Elves only cost like 10, 15 tickets. Since I already have like all the expensive stuff for Stompy, I already have the um, Kieran Rangers, I have the Metal Sentinels, I have yeah. um, the Gleeful Sabotage, and I could find a budget option for uh, Spider Silk Armor. And I'm like, I'll just try that stack. And I know I'm very well known for playing elves these days, but <laughs> my very first uh, time uh, playing the deck. I went one and four in a league and went, <laughs> screw this deck. I hate this deck. Never playing this deck again. See how that worked out for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's just basically what ended up happening. Again, I think I, um, I went from having those four main decks to, I think I sold it off again because of something like some other money troubles that happened. Yeah. And then I basically rebuilt Stompy and went in and entered with single tournament entry. I had 80 like eighty or 90 play points, but basically just enough that I could enter one event. Without investing any more um, money, like tickets or anything, I ended up taking that one entry with Stompy and building all the way up to Modern Affinity. Wow. That's so, um, yeah, so... I find that Popper is a great way to start learning the game yeah, and um, better yourself and gives you an entry point. So obviously now I'm kind of struggling a little bit because I actually like a lot of different formats. Obviously, like I've said, I've played a lot of Modern before. I've played Legacy, I like Cube, Draft, all these other formats. But I'm known for Popper. And it gives me uh, you know, a bit of like a, wow, I want to do one, but I want to, you know, Everybody wants to see me do the other. Yeah. So, um, uh, but that's definitely what I did. I ended up um, taking the format. I ended up building Affinity, and I built Elves and Modern because it's kind of what I was known for. I had a lot of staples, so I ended up building into Humans, and also did uh, Counters Company because I had a lot of stuff for that yeah. as well. Um, and that's just. You know, that's what I did. I built up into a lot of different things and tried different things. And so nice. I, I think Popper is a great entry point to get back into the game. And it definitely worked out well for me. And I know I've seen it work out well for other people as well. That's awesome. That's awesome that, um, you know, like you said, coming back into the game and playing Popper. And, you know, it sounds like now you've amassed quite a collection on Magic Online now and you can play sounds like a lot of certain decks now yes and no um (laughs) so i at this point i don't really have that much of a collection anymore believe it or not oh on magic Um, online or yes oh wow so um what are you renting decks now or yes and no earlier (laughs) this year i um joined the uh card hoarder network okay on uh Oh, I see it. With, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and I love them. Great people. Um, great service. You know, if ever you need anything like from Magic Online, like seriously. Um, I didn't even know that they, I, I seen the name like on tapped out and everything for like years. Yeah. Never really thought anything of them. Never really checked them out. And I think I was talking to someone else who was on the car recorder network at the time. And finally like looked at the site and went, wow. This site is like really intuitive, really easy to use. And I was like, I love this. <clears throat> um, so I became a fan and eventually, you know, started talking with them and uh, tried once, but my stream wasn't big enough for them. Yeah. Um, over time, it continue, my stream continued to grow though. And I believe in February, late February, I messaged them again saying, hey, my stream has grown this much more in these last couple months alone. Um, would I be able to, you know, join this team at this point? And this, yes. So at this point, I have a limited amount that I can borrow from them at any given time. Nice. Uh, to help uh, better my stream, you know, to provide more content and more, you know, so I've been able to do a lot more decks. My very first stream after that, I went and did. Um, Legacy Maverick. I did Legacy Elves. Fuck. Sorry, there's just like some bug just decided to crawl up on my desk, and I have to fucking kill it now. <laughs> I am very, very sorry. Uh, this is gonna stay on the podcast, by the way. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh, what the hell? And I just got the bug guy here last week, and all right, sorry about that. <laughs> um. So I tried, I did those decks, I did the challenger decks, um, I've done a number of different standard runs, um, and it lets me do a lot of different things. What I ended up doing is I had amassed a very large collection of popper decks, and obviously some modern decks. Um, like I think at the time, at my peak, I had about 25 different popper decks that I could play at any given time. Um, I think I've loaded up like 40 lists onto my account at this point but um i ended up taking a lot of them liquidating them down into uh some key cards like uh shock lands fetch lands and mm -hmm. things that would enable me to play decks past the limit that card order has given me um That's so that way I, can, I can do different decks and still you know give people better content um now give, is that also you know, helping you with your writing of articles as well too that you're doing yes since I can uh, then take different decks and um, take them to the leagues, test them, say, hey, this is what's working, this is what isn't working. Um, now, obviously, like, uh, so far, since I'm writing with uh, Hipsters of the Coast... Um, shout out. Yeah, shout out to them. <laughs> I've, uh, I haven't really done too much in terms of direct, like, deck content. I've done... I did the Challenger decks at first, mm -hmm. which... Definitely, um, card hoarder network being a part of the card hoarder network, uh, definitely allowed me to help, uh, like write better articles for that, yeah. And then, um, because it let me kind of test with them, get a feel for them. Um, then, um, what did I do then? Uh, obviously, I did elves, you know, mm -hmm. I did a little primer on elves, you know, over a series of a couple articles, um. And because of that, 
um, you know, I already had a lot of knowledge with the deck, so I was just able to apply what I knew and just go with it. Now um, I'm covering Boros Monarch, and while I have experience with that, not as much as elves. Yeah. So I'm not as I haven't. Whereas, like with elves, I've tested all the different versions that you can play. I've tested land grant. Don't play it if you are thinking about playing elves. Don't play land grant. Why don't. not? Why not? Why not? Okay. Because I like I like um, that card. Well, at least I played it when I played Mono Green Stompy and Legacy Land Grant. Okay. Yeah, Land Grant <laughs> is fine in like Belcher in Legacy. Okay. It, it has its uses and has its purposes. People think it's good in Topper Elves because you are just spitting out your hand anyway. So what does it matter if your opponent sees what you're doing? Is is the logic? Um, shuffling your deck after uh, casting Lead the Stampede since that was printed in November with Iconic Masters. Oh, that's right. That was that was uncommon before, right? Yes, it was. Oh, man. And I forgot about that. And then the other uh, way is, the other aspect of it is it untapped Nile Sentinel when you cast it. Now, oh, here, right. here's the thing about it, though. Oh, and the other thing that people bring up, too, is deck thing. But here's the thing. Those are all very minor things in the grand scheme of thing compared to your deck. Let's say you end up against an opponent and they go turn one island, and then you go, okay, I'm gonna, I have no card lands in my hand. I'm gonna cast my only land grant, revealing my hand. Your opponent, in response, picks up their island and goes dazed. Ooh, and then you're screwed. Okay. That's one thing. The other thing is um, you're giving your opponent perfect information. Mm -hmm. So where you think, well, I'm just dumping my hand anyway, so what does it matter? Well, it tells your opponent, hey, you know, I have, oh, I only have this one land. So that one, so I'll go land, land or else. And their response is, okay, so what I'm going to do is bolt that land or else. Whereas otherwise they may have kind of held that for something else, like a priest titania or something yeah. they felt was more important. Um, you know, I've even had games where an opponent, where I don't land grant, my opponent sees me go land Lanorar Elves, and they bolt Lanorar Elves. And then I follow up the next turn with Forest Priest Titania, and they bolt the Priest Titania. And then I play another land and just continue on the game, and I end up winning the game just because... You know, I was able to do that. But if you're going land grant, then you're telling them, I don't have anything, kill this, or I'm going to go off. <laughs> so it tells them it tells them what to remove. Yeah. It also tells them what to counter. Uh, my favorite example, I've, I've, if anyone's ever heard me talk about elves, listen to me talk about elves, or um, land grant specifically, they'll have probably heard the story before. But um, my very first paper popper event, I had an opponent who was on uh, Mono Blue Delver. And they had two blue mana open. They were in a they were in a very positive board position, and they were likely going to kill me within, like, two turns. I ended up... Um, so I saw that they had their two mana open. They probably had a counter spell. Yeah. I went and cast Timberwatch Elf, which is um, two and a green... 
for a 1-2 elf that has tap it, target creature gets plus X plus X, where X is the number of elves on the battlefield. That includes your opponent's side, by the way, if you're ever you know trying to look at these cards in paper. And then um, they that card will win you the game. You can reactivate it multiple times with Karen Ranger. So you'll get in for like 30 damage easily off of one unblocked creature. So my opponent correctly made the assumption that that card is a very serious threat. I'm mm-hmm. going to counter that. So what they did then is they, they countered it and they had no ma- uh, untapped lands available to them. And I went and cast, went ahead and cast um, Distant Melody, which is three in the blue uh, for a sorcery. Name a creature type, and you draw a card for each creature of, I'm sorry, I think it's each permanent of that creature uh, type that you control on a battlefield. And what that let me do is draw, I don't know, six, seven cards. Yeah. I found another Distant Melody in that played the elves first, played the other distant melody, drew my deck, and won the game on the spot. Um, <laughs> Viridian Longbow and all that nonsense. Whereas, so, thing is, if I had cast Land Grant and showed my opponent, hey, I have a Timberwatch Elf and a distant melody, they probably would have looked at the Timberwatch Elf and gone, you know what, that's probably going to kill me, but... Probably not so much as a distant melody will, which is just insane levels of card advantage. So I am gonna hold. I'm gonna take my chances with that Timberwatch Elf and counter the distant melody. Um. So I think it just gives you know the opponent information that they shouldn't have. Yeah, and I can see um, that. I, I, I hearing that now, I kind of understand now, and I agree. Right. So, um, the thing is, uh, I, I tried a lot of these different decks, and I felt like I had a lot of good understanding with them. Different card options, different varieties, different things. With Boros, I have a good feeling about the deck, and I know a lot of the history behind the deck. I saw it back when it was Des- Jeskai, mm-hmm. uh, Kodolta, when I first started getting back into the format. Then that evolved into Boros with the advent of Rally the Peasants. And then that evolved into Boros Monarch as it is now when we got Talos Tunnel. So um, it's definitely seen its fair share of evolutions. People have tried other things. Uh, Methonical, uh, known Popper Grinder, has tried a Seeker of the Way with um, Searing Blaze in the deck to decent effects. We've seen uh, Prismatic Strands was fairly recent tech in the deck. Uh, it's basically like a white fog effect. And then we also saw, um, most recently, um, in Boros, we've been seeing um, Faithless Looting and Swirling Sandstorm, which were never seen before, up until, I don't know, maybe about a month ago. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of room for improvement, a lot of different things popping up, um, and different ways to build a deck. Whereas I've only had, a, you know, I've tried it back when it was Boros, uh, Godolpha, with the tokens and everything. And only recently tried a little bit with Boros Monarch um, with the Palace Sentinels and haven't really had much opportunity to try with like a lot of the hot tech. I didn't try a Seeker of the Way build. I didn't try a lot of this stuff. I just 
know that they were actually somewhat viable options. Um, so having the access to doing different things with Magic Online and everything has definitely um, been a boon to kind of help me with like, writing the articles like that. Oh, Obviously helping stream now. Lately, I haven't been really uploading any of my stream content to uh, like YouTube or anything, um, in part because of their uh, restrictions on like music and everything. Oh, yeah, I like, that's right. I, I like to play music while I'm uh, streaming. I think it adds to a little bit of fun to it and everything, and uh, a little bit of energy. Oh, and yeah, it does. If you if you just try and uh, upload those videos to YouTube, they will get blocked in multiple hundreds of countries. Oh yeah, in like less than that. a second as soon as they're done. Now, yeah. la last time I streamed Magic Online, I was actually, because I don't stream enough, and um, the only time I actually do get an audience is when I do stream Magic, because I like to, mm -hmm. I obviously like to play other games too, like World of Warcraft is a big one for me. Yeah. Um, and last time I played, I think, yeah, the last time I streamed was I did an EDH dance party where <laughs> I was just playing random techno music yeah. and I'm just dancing while I'm you know, losing at EDH and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. But, God, that was a lot of energy, too, at the same time. Right. And that's the thing. So it basically became um, stream my way and have yeah. a good time with it where streaming is actually my main uh you know, source of content creation, I would say. Yeah. Maybe now the articles. And, um, or stream without music, and then I can upload them to YouTube, where I don't really get many views or many subscribers anyway. So I was just like, I'm just going to continue my stream. You know, maybe ever so often, like, my popper challenge runs and everything. Yeah. Since I usually run, uh, like old school games, retro games, kind of in between, just kind of fill out a time gap and everything, because I don't want, I don't like um, double queuing online or on stream. Like I'll double queue all day off stream. Yeah. But it's too much to manage while I'm trying to do a stream. And then I'm try to be entertaining to at the same time. And exactly, you're trying to keep up with two different games of Magic, which is strenuous enough without a stream. And then you're also trying to pay attention to a chat is my stream um <laughs> like is my stream health really good right now like yeah is it, am i dropping frames am i connected really oh, well I, I know what you mean so, so you just have all this extra stress and it's just not fun so i don't like the idea of like hey i'm going to play a draft match or something in between this round and hope it finishes it so I'm like, I'll just play like old school games. So I've played like Zelda: Link's Awakening. Ooh, Pokemon. that's the best Zelda, by the way. Link's Awakening. It's great. It's um, the best one. I played that. I played the Oracle games. I played. Ooh, nice. Pokemon. Um, I've broken out my Sega Genesis games before, so I've played uh, Quackshot on stream, Ghostbusters. Oh man. Like not your typical like I'm. Oh, I'm playing Sega, so I'm playing Sonic. No, I'm busting out like Vector the, Man. Lesser known ones. I love Vector Man. Oh, Comic man. Zone is best though. I've never beaten that game, but it was so much fun. Fuck that game. <laughs> I love that game. So ridiculously hard. It's it's stupidly hard. It's stupidly hard, but I love playing it. It was yeah. so unique and so much fun, even if I'm losing at it. Yeah, I had um, it for the computer when I got my very first computer and it it, it blew my I mean the game at the time blew my mind because it's like it looked like you're actually in a comic book. Yeah, no, it, it still looks great to this yeah. day. Um, but 
it's it was so unique and I loved it. But it was so damn difficult. Yeah. But so basically, um, because I pad out the time with that, it's basically like I'd be going like start and stop with my music, and it's just at, for those particular runs, it's better to run it without the music, so I can upload those ones to yeah. YouTube. And um, but anything else is like no go. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, so it's 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 definitely been a bit of a juggle as far as a lot of that goes. So what's your streaming schedule like right now? Um, as of right now, I don't have one. I've been trying okay. to get a streaming schedule going. However, I just switched jobs, mm-hmm. and that switching of jobs it has me going from. I was working a job that was, you know, getting me out of work on like a set on Fridays and Saturdays at like three in the morning. Oh man. So there were nights where I wasn't getting home until four 30 in the morning sometimes. Jesus. And because of that, I wasn't getting to sleep until somewhere between six and eight o'clock. Most <laughs> Jesus. Nights. Screw that. Okay. Exactly. Right. Now. I'm going towards, um, I have to wake up at six in the morning. Oh man. So it's been a very huge adjustment. I love my new job. I love it to death, but you know, I'm still struggling to kind of get in the groove of the sleep schedule. On top of that, I'm trying to do other content as well. I'm not just doing, um, you know, my streams or anything, which I'm trying to do on a semi-frequent basis, but I'm doing things like this. Yeah. You know, I know shortly after my uh, job started, I got asked to do another, you know, join another podcast to help that or, and contribute with them. I got, um, I, I obviously write my articles mm-hmm. um, because this new job was more morning based. It enables me to go out and play like Friday Night Magic and things like that. So I'm a and little that's more a good incentivized. Thing. Yeah. I love it, but I'm a little more incentivized to play Paper Magic as well. But that takes away from me being able to, you know, stream. And so a lot of things are just, you know, and that's just, and you can already start to see where that's like just taking up so much time as is. Like writing an article, that's probably one day at least yep. taken away. There's, you know, Friday Night Magic and Tuesday Night Popper at Cool Stuff. Um, and that's another two nights. I usually on Wednesday nights watch... Um, my friend stream uh, for their podcast, uh, Magic Mics, mm-hmm. and I love that. But again, that's another night, and so you're just seeing just one night after another. It's it's difficult to kind of like juggle in some streams. And on top of that, like the last stream I did, I did when I was back visiting my family back in Tampa, uh, like two weeks ago. Yeah, and because I was doing that, I mean, that was very impromptu. I wasn't even expecting to stream. I didn't bring any of my streaming gear. I was like, but at some point I was like, you know what? I'm really feeling like streaming, so I'm going to stream. But, um, you know, during a lot of those visits, then I'm going back there every couple of weeks to visit because it's only like an hour and a half, two hours away. So, you know, when I'm there, I'm spending time with my family. I'm not, you know, trying to stream as much. I try to, but again, I'm resting. I'm spending, I'm visiting my family. Yeah. I'm seeing people that I, I don't get to see as much anymore. So it's just, I've been trying to juggle a lot. And um, I'm definitely trying to stream a bit more often. Um, yeah, what I'm actually starting tough, to, though. Yeah, 
it is. Um, also, I've also been playing a lot more Premier Magic online. So like I've been playing uh, uh, preliminary Pro Tour qualifiers yeah. and things like that. And I'm okay streaming like the Popper Challenge, which is like I guess the Premier Popper for online. But you know, it's a um, it's kind of smaller, mm-hmm. and you're not like, hey, there's a Pro Tour invite on the line, you know. So it's a little less, you know, it's still high stakes. Like the top prize gets like basically $300, $350 worth of stuff, depending on uh, the set they're giving out and the yeah. price of treasure chests at the time. But um, like um, it's not, again, it's not a pro tour invitation or anything like that. It's not, you know, for an actual PTQ finals event, your top prize is like, three booster boxes worth of packs and a full full set of the re- most recent set plus a pro tour invite like you're looking at just so much in terms of prizes and everything for those that it's just it's it's a risk to stream. Oh, no. obviously we had that with the uh popper challenge a couple months ago we oh had, yeah I mean, that's it right huge, it was a big old hoopla when uh the finals had a ghosting incident. Yeah, and unfortunately, what can you really do during that? I mean, if you're going to decide to stream it and stream a challenge like that, then I guess don't be really surprised if someone's going to snipe you. You know exactly. And I feel, and that's the thing. I feel the streams. Are, I feel like the challenges are low stakes enough. Yeah. You now you, if you are a decent enough of a player. They have a low enough of a turnout that you can usually probably at least make your money back on it. Yeah. You get your entry back, and then all you've lost is your time. But if I'm streaming it, other people are getting something out of it. So I really haven't lost time in that sense. I've, you know, mm-hmm. given something to the better, you know, betterment of the community and push, uh, help push Popper as a format. It's been growing very heavily in part, in no small part, thanks to uh, the professor. Oh my Channel gosh. Fireball, yeah. Star it's... City Games. It's insane how much of, it's grown. All of their different contributions to this format, um, and obviously there's some rumblings that Wizards themselves um, have their fans and are going to work on starting to push for the format a little bit more. I hope so. They need an official ban list, right? And not have but, such separation between paper and online. Oh, absolutely. That causes so much problems. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, we've seen it. I've seen, I know I've seen it plenty of times where someone like, uh, I've seen cool stuff where I play. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I think we've kind of seen it at uh, the SCG Classic um, that happened uh, at SCG Con about a month ago. Yeah. And we had, uh, there was a player who, one of the top 16 players was an Affinity player at the SCG Con event. And their sideboard had three basic mountains in it. And the, uh, what people suspected had happened is that the player had put in red elemental blast into their sideboard. And the thing is, red elemental blast and blue elemental blast online were not printed at common. However, pyroblast and hydroblast, which are nearly identical cards, the Pyroblast Hydroblast are technically strictly better because you can target a non-red or a non-blue permanent 
which can benefit you for say is it blitz with kiln fiend and things like that yeah um very fringe uses but you know, they have their plays and um like red elemental blast and blue elemental blast people think oh this is a cheap alternative i can just pick up and play it instead you can't and unfortunately that will get a judge called and you will be have to replace those cards with basic lands and it causes other things. I remember I had uh, a few weeks ago at Cool Stuff, we had a player who was trying to build a uh, player rat stack, which is fine. It's cute. You know, Popper lets you do whatever you want. I've seen a lot of cool brews pop up at Cool Stuff. I've seen a lot of brews pop up online. Mono White Heroic is a relatively new deck over the past, you know, six months or so. And that formed from a bunch of brewing efforts online. Uh, so, you know, there's definitely room for improvement with the format. You know, it's not going to happen overnight or anything, but, I mean, we still see that in modern. Um, you know, Amulet Bloom was a brew. Humans yeah. was a brew. So you see just random people just taking homebrews and go, oh, and then people go, oh, this is a really <laughs> good deck. <laughs> and that's kind of what you see a little bit in Popper, too. You know, there's such a vast card pool nobody's found that there's definitely decks out there that have not been discovered but someone took this deck and they went you know because they saw okay rat colony relentless rats are really cool but then they had other cards you know ravenous rats then crypt rats but then they had cards like i think there was one of i think it's pestilence rats which is like some random ice age comment or something yeah. like that but it wasn't printed online at common if it was even printed online at all, I'm not sure that it was. And when I looked it up on Scryfall, it's not legal in the format. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the heart to say something to her, <laughs> um, because it was it, it was a casual, relatively friendly event and everything. But if people are looking at, you know, they go on like Gatherer or something, which doesn't have an accurate popper list, which is baffling to just about everyone in the format. Um. So you're having people take illegal cards to formats or to tournaments because they go on Gatherer and see, hey, this card is legal. Yeah. When it really is. And I know Wizards needs to rectify that, and they should have rectified it a long time ago, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, there's other aspects to that too. Like I could do really well in Popper tournaments all day and night, but guess what? Those events give me. No matter how well I do. You want to know how many Planeswalker points I got at SEG Con? One. Oh my god, that's ridiculous. Despite, despite going first place after seven rounds of Swiss and the three rounds of top eight, I got one Planeswalker point. Wow. That's a casual participation point. It does not count to your seasonal amount, which goes towards... Oh, that's ridiculous. Wow. And if they officially sanctioned these tournaments and officially sanctioned this as a format, you wouldn't have that problem anymore. You'd have and more it, people you know, playing it. So right. And you have a lot of like pro players that they look towards formats and they go, I need these points to get buys. Yeah. Or like semi pro is looking to go pro. And they play the format and they go, This format's great. I love playing this. And then they go look at their Planeswalker point numbers and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> I like played the same thing that I did. My friend uh, Lauren, Lauren Mulligan, yeah. took uh, down Rags to Riches. Not 
because they just had one this weekend. Um, but I think it was two uh, Rags to Riches events before that. And the last one, she was in the finals. But she took down the event. It was her first time playing the Pomper format. Uh, she's just a really good player. Yeah. And she was like, I'm grinding for Grand Prix buys and such. And I'm looking at, and then I go and look at my Planeswalker points numbers and see I only got one point for winning a big event like that. And she's like, this is ridiculous. So, um, you know, it would definitely benefit from that. But I think you also have the aspects of like, hey, there's certain cards, Cheaters Edict, Battle Screech, um, I just lost it. Circular Logic. Okay. Uh, and obviously the big boogeyman, Oubliette. Gosh. Things like that. Staple cards that are getting expensive that need reprints. And um, Wizards is able to see that growth now in this format and go, what can we do to benefit it? And you're seeing a little, a bit of uh, rumblings about that. I know I've spoken with... Um, Gavin Verhey, he was at, at um, you know, obviously he's been behind like um, Battle Bond, yeah, which was a huge success for EDH Commander players. Oh, I loved it, and it's it's fantastic. I opened just like a handful of packs and just got such amazing value out of it. Um, and I absolutely love that set. It was a slam dunk home run. I heard I didn't get a chance to play any limited for it, but I hear it was great. Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> A lot of fun. And, like I, I heard even people that don't like two-headed giant liked it as a format. You know, even so, I, I did play the two-headed giant version of it. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then um, my buddy and I, he came over one day and I still had some packs left and we just did a regular sealed of it. Granted, we couldn't use some of the team cards, but even then it was still a lot of fun. So exactly. even one-on-one, so, really good. Right. So I ended up... um. Uh, well, so Gavin was present at SCGCon. Yeah. If you go on and look at their videos, he participated in a couple of panels. And he just kind of scoped out, hung around, spell slung a little bit. But he was interested in the popper format. I ended up catching up with him and uh, right after the Swiss rounds had ended. And we were just kind of shooting the shit a little bit, talking. And then uh, he was really interested to see what the uh, top eight was going to look like. And he wanted to know if it had started yet. And I was like, no, I'm actually waiting to see how this plays out and everything. And he had, he didn't hang around for the whole thing, mm-hmm. but he stuck around for at least like uh, like quarterfinals and I think part of the semifinals. That's cool. Because I finished my semifinal match really quick before the other one. So I think he may have left somewhere before the other one uh, finished. But, um, you know, he, he definitely had some takeaways from that as a for, uh, from the format. He's a fan of it. Um, we saw recently Mark Rosewater uh, put out a tweet, you know, mentioning like, what could we do to better Popper as a format? Like, what could we do? We saw Alex Ullman put out a response article to that tweet, you know, with some different things. And Morrow actually responded to that. So, what that, you know, there's a lot of things that are showing that the people who are involved at Wizards are invested in this format to a certain degree. Yeah, and have, it's getting the noticed. The format has its fans. However, yeah. format has gotten a lot more of that notice in the last six months. And if anyone knows anything about how Wizards functions and works, 
they work years ahead of time. So if we really see anything with pop or format, it's probably not going to be until either at the very earliest, I imagine, like towards the end of this year. I hope. And otherwise, maybe sometime like mid-next year. It may, maybe next year they'll officially sanction it. You know, mm-hmm. like um, obviously when they have like their summer set or whatever it is, there are yeah. other set, you know, there are multiplayer set where they've done conspiracy and battle bonding on the stable. Maybe they'll do a set that does something cool, but they stick some more popper staples into it. They yeah, that'd, that'd be load, fun. They load up the next master set a little bit. Maybe they even take the professor's idea and put out some event decks of some kind. You know, especially now with the you know, precedents that, like, the Challenger decks have given us with Standard, I mean, the options are just limitless for what can be done here. So, people just want was just to take action right now, but I feel kind of like, yes, Wizards does need to take some action. You know, with the popularity growing up this format, they need to, like, officialize it in some way. That needs to happen. Like, yeah, flat out. That... There's really no excuse why that hasn't happened already, if I'm being frank. And, um, but I think for, like, we're going to start seeing some other things happen, but it's going to take time and people want things now. Oh, I <laughs> you know. know. It's... it's just, it's just the nature of magic players. Um, yeah. but no, so... I, I do agree that Wizards needs to officially sanction it first. And if they do have plans, I mean, with a big company like Wizards, it will take a while for them to implement these ideas. But at least say to the community, hey, we hear you, we're working on it. Boom, there and you go. You're definitely hearing that. You're seeing yeah. that popping up. You're seeing a lot of that sentiment. Um, who's the other one? I think I, I put out some tweaks. I tweet out occasionally to Wizards, like, hey, do something about this. Yeah. You know, I join like the professor and Alex Ullman and other big faces and names in the format. See, so like, hey, wizards, you have to do something about this. And someone I think tagged um, Matt Tabic. Tabic. I'm. I, I never really knew how to pronounce his name. Uh, but like <laughs> the big, the big rules guy, wizard. Yeah. Um. And he responded that there are a lot of fans at Wizards, um, of the format that you know they hear us all the time you know they are listening they are paying attention um but sometimes you know the it takes time for them to roll things out you know while i think it's easy to say like hey just (laughs) just officialize this format and be done with it you know how long did you know they had like the new legendary frame the planeswalker rule thing they could have just rolled it out like as soon as they said hey we can actually do this but they have a tendency to do that with like new set so i think we'll see it we just need to give them some time to do it i'm hoping i'm hoping they will um I guess shifting the focus here a little bit so Mm -hmm. um some questions about you have you always been a florida native no i have not Uh, so So, where um, do you originally hail from Buffalo, New York. Oh, okay. Okay, when did yeah. you come down here to the swamp? <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was about just on just shy of 15 years old. Okay. Um, my family um wasn't really liking things up in Buffalo very much. Um I personally enjoyed it. You know, I was having a good time. Mm-hmm. Um and it had benefits for me as even as a magic player. 
um, one of the biggest stores in the country. Obviously, now I live like right, you know five minutes away from the main Cool Stuff Inc. store, and actually even now work there. But um, prior to that, like when I was up in Buffalo, we had David Adams Card World. Yeah. Um, and I used that was like one of my go-to stores when I was like you know first playing the game when I was nine years old, like when Urza was coming out, and I could go to the store and they had every single set you could ever imagine oh that makes me so jealous when i hear stories like that because we we didn't have a game store over here growing up we had we had a baseball card shop selling a small little display of magic and that's where you would get your magic cards from that was actually my very first store experience when i was at a uh i used to be in a uh bowling league oh okay parents had signed me up for it and it was just kind of fun but attached to the um because it was basically like a big plaza uh with the main focus of it being this huge um, bowling alley. Mm-hmm. But attached to the bowling alley, like you had a door that you could actually go through in the bowling alley. Most of the stores were like, it was like the bowling alley, and then the stores were like their own individual thing, and mm-hmm. they weren't connected to the actually actual alley. They were part of the building, but not like you could walk into there, into that store from the bowling alley. There was, however, at the very end, a little sports shop, sports card place called BNL uh, Sports Cards, and I they had again like you said a very small display of Magic and like Pokemon, and um, from there everything else was sports cards, and I I had some good pickups there. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you want you want to try? Okay, so this guy had his daughter would like just open like I don't know like ten packs of his like five ten packs of his set. And just stick every single card in this binder, and listed it as each of these cards for a quarter. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you want to know what cards I bought for a dollar? Oh, I got yeah. Tell me. Radiant Archangel. Oh my I'm gosh! I'm going from least greatest to most awesome. Radiant Archangel and Multani Mara Sorcerer. Okay. Because those were big money cards at the time. Oh They're yeah. Not so much anymore, but they were at the time. Um, Liver Queen. Oh my god, are you serious? Oh Mox my god, Diamond. No, for a quarter, all, a quarter each. Oh I my all god, four of those for one dollar, <laughs> one whole American dollar. Now, did you were you aware of their prices at the time? Oh, yeah, because I was an addict of Scry Magazine. Yeah, Scry Magazine was my shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. I can remember just pouring over that and just looking at mm-hmm. the prices of Power mm-hmm. Nine and just be like, I, oh my God, I, Black Lotus, only $300. I'm going to get I, one I know, one day. right? <laughs> Those were the days. I remember that. I remember that. And like the Moxes were 50 bucks each or something like that. Yeah. And just like, that's so that's, much money. I'm never going to have that. <laughs> that's what I, yeah, that was my, always my attitude. It's like a couple, you know, what is it? Like 10 years, 20, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. I'm like, I'm shelling out three hundred dollars for a uh, candelabra of Tanos. <laughs> yeah. You know, whereas I used to look at those sky guides and it's like this is like a forty dollar card. <laughs> I know, right? It's 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 weird because as I, because you know, I, I open up you know either a case or a half a case of every set that comes out, and you know, mm-hmm. of course, there's always the money cards. It's you know, some of the cart when they first release, it's like 30, 40 bucks or whatever. And then when you get a foil of that card, it's like, oh, this could be, you know, $70, $80 of whatever, even the master sets. Now I'm so 
I guess spoiled in a sense. I opened an eighty dollar card. I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, it's but me as a kid, I would be so excited. Now I'm just like, oh yeah, I can sell that, get something else I want. Yeah, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, I mean, that's kind of what happened to me. Like, you know, I opened two random packs with some of my store credit just to round some things out at uh, SEG Con. Yeah, I got two packs of Iconic Masters, and one of them had uh, Mandarin. I'm like, oh, that's really awesome. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, you know, kind of like continue from there. Um, but one, you know, one year my family decided to get us a little Christmas present for the family and was mm-hmm. um, come down and do the old Disney trip. You know, do all the Disney parks and do mm-hmm. uh, the both the Universal parks, the main ones, not any of the water parks because it was February. And... Um, and so for pre- the President's Day week, which we, you know, up in Buffalo, we had like a whole week off. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it wasn't just like the one day or anything. And we came down for a week and obviously we're down for like seven days, but there were only six parks. So for one of those days, we went and visited my dad's old co-worker back in Tampa. Um, and it was obviously a couple hour drive from Orlando, but, you know, my family just kind of enjoyed it. And it was just a nice change of pace. Well, my dad is in the um, mortgage business. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I think he was also actually partially in like um, real estate. So he like knew the number and he knew the market. And obviously this was 2005 before the marketing bubble yeah. burst. Um, right before it too, a couple years right before it. Mm-hmm. So um, we went down, my dad sat down with his uh, old coworker buddy and they were looking at the numbers and my his friend was uh rattling off like numbers and kind of explaining things and my parents kind of looked at each other and went what the hell are we still doing up buffalo <laughs> <laughs> and so they just basically decided to make the move and nice. so i've roughly been down here ever since you know honestly i'm not a big fan of it i'm the only person in my family that doesn't like the heat. I much prefer the cold of New York. Yeah, I mean, I've been a Florida native all my life, and it's I still hate the heat. I mean, I do like the cold, but mm-hmm. I've been up north during the winter, and I just think... And it's probably the wrong state to visit during the winter. It's Maine during the winter. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and that was just ridiculously cold. So that kind of scared mm-hmm. me away from ever wanting to live up north here's the way i see it right you can you know if you're up north and you're too cold you just get to put on an extra layer of five and you're good <laughs> you can curl up next to a fireplace and you're set you know yeah i went and visited yeah. my family when I, it was um march last year mm-hmm. and it got cold as hell you know i just did bundled up <laughs> and you bundle up in that heat, you know, insulates and you start to feel great. You know, it takes a little bit to kick in, but you feel fine. Um, and you get all nipply and tingly and then you go into yeah. the shower and it's just, mm, feels great. Nice warm <laughs> shower after being out there in the cold. I love it. But then you come here and it's like, okay, I'm going to tear off my shirt. I'm going to tear off my bra. And, uh, 
you're still sweating profusely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you could be in front so, of a fan with AC blasting and still dying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I don't know. I get it. Oh, I get so, it. Yeah. You, you'll take a shower and go outside and immediately feel like, well, I'm going to need another shower again. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's just rough. I don't care for it. I just, yeah, I just happen to still be here basically as a matter of circumstance. Yeah. Um, you don't like the hurricanes we get every year, too? <laughs> <laughs> I did get to avoid it. Um, I got to avoid the other one here. Got a last-minute ticket up to Buffalo and spent the whole oh, week nice. avoiding that hurricane. And, oh, uh, I, I got hit by it. It was, um, yeah. I mean, not too bad. I mean, the worst thing that happened was I had a few down branches, but luckily mm-hmm. nothing too bad. We had, um, and yeah, so I, I went up there and it just so happened that that week was my birthday week too. Mm-hmm. So I got to spend my week, my birthday visiting my family up in New York. I went to David Adams and bought a bunch of nostalgia packs. So like I bought a couple packs of Onslaught, Scourge, oh, nice. Eternal Masters. And just had a good time. It was expensive, and I didn't open like really anything worthwhile. But some but nostalgia, though. But exactly, that's not the point when you're like when I open an exalted angel from an onslaught pack, which I did. It's not worth anything, but you remember that being one of those chase rares from back then, yeah. and that alone is awesome. It's like this was like one of the coolest cards I could have opened out of this pack, just on the that basis alone. Mm-hmm. No, that's really cool. That's um, yeah. There, there's still times where I wish Urza Urza packs weren't so expensive. Because you know what I, I like love... to do when I need that itch. What I go on Magic Online and buy one or two with like some extra store cre- with some extra credit and just like a ticket or two. Just oh wait, you can do that for them. for old ones like that. They still mm-hmm. have them. Oh yeah. Ooh, was Card Hoarder I mean, have it, them or it, something? Yeah, if you go through like Card Hoarder or one of the competitors. Ooh. Yeah, you can buy them. I think I didn't like, think of that. Yeah. Urza's Destiny packs cost like one ticket. Oh my god. Legacy packs cost like two tickets. And like Saga packs cost like six or seven tickets. I know I've got like 40 tickets burning in my pocket right now. I just, I don't know what to do with them. I was thinking of yeah. drafting M19, but after I did some paper events, I'm like, I may pass on that. <laughs> it's, it's actually not a bad draft format, in my opinion. But yeah. Um, I, I miss Dominaria. Now, now I don't need a collection, so I have a bit yeah. less incentive to open these packs. Um,. You know, but I still think it's really cool that I can just go on to like one of these bots and be like, "Hey, I want to buy just like a couple of these packs just for that little bit of nostalgia hit." Yeah. Even if I don't do anything with these cards, even if I don't really own these in paper or anything, the fact that I can just pick up one or two and just open it and be like, I didn't just think scroll through the cards I just cracked and go, "This is really cool." You know, it's just it's just that right little hit right when you need it. It's like when um. Two years ago, they had uh, for Pokemon, and they released a set called XY Evolutions. Yes, yes, I bought into some of that because right. I played the first set exactly. of Pokemon. I even had That's a foil Charizard too, which is long gone. So yeah, um, so I um, bought a couple packs of that, and I gotta tell you, the first time for, uh, for I bought a box does... of it. It was I was that excited. Well, about eventually, it. I ended up buying a box. Of it. <laughs> um, just for nostalgia's sake, I have the binder somewhere. Yeah. Um. I just like stuck all of the cards in there. I'm like, this is my nostalgia binder that I can just like pick up and look at and go. This is really yep. cool. And um, but for anyone who doesn't know what that was, um, XY Evolutions was a basically a remastering of the very first original base Pokemon set, where they yep. took the exact card arts, and obviously now 
the card frame has gone through a lot of modernizations and a lot of updates kind of like basically it's like if they took the current you know a set you know like nowadays where they have the current magic border and magic frame yeah and took it and instead of doing that went back and reprinted alpha beta and unlimited but updated the cards to fit a more modern power level. Oh my god, you wouldn't be able to find a box anywhere. It'd be bought out so quick. Right. <laughs> that's that's basically what X and Y evolutions was. And yeah. it was just amazing. Um Oh, and- it it got me me and my wife into Pokemon and she even plays the online games sometimes. Too. Oh, I definitely need to. I, I love um one of my favorite games to just kind of play on the side for fun. Is the uh, old Game Boy Color? Oh my uh, gosh! Even though like, <laughs> you only had such a limited selection of stuff, yeah. and you're basically playing it solo, it was just so much fun. It was. It was just, like such clean, good, clean Pokemon. It wasn't too difficult, but you yep. could like do a lot with it. And it was so much just packed into one tiny little cartridge. I know. And I love that. God, I forgot all about that game too. Oh my! You're gonna make me go and buy these games again, and probably. <laughs> Do you have a 3DS? Because it's on there. It's on the 3DS store. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, you get it for like I don't know, ten bucks. Okay, yeah, because I know they had like Red and Blue come out on the 3DS and all that. Yeah. They they need to release that on the Switch. I don't know if you have yeah. a Switch or not. I do not. Well, uh, my roommate does. Yeah, they need to release they they need to release so many games on the Switch. But, anyways, um. So, what else do you like to do besides magic? I mean, I know magic is a big part of your life, and especially even for your job right now, too. Yeah. Honestly, for me, it's kind of like the big thing. Um, Magic is how I spend a lot of my free time. I grind a lot on Magic Online, but I do a lot of different things, too. Um, Even right now, uh, one of the reasons that it's one of the other things that's taking up my time right now, um, without, you know, trying to spend too much or anything, but I've been watching uh, Dragon Ball Z, and it's a parody again. Oh, so let me ask you this, because I just went through a rewatch of Dragon Ball, and I'm almost done with Dragon Ball Z, but then I did realize that Sopranos was on Amazon Prime, so I've been watching that, and I'm a huge Mafia buff, so I mm-hmm. love all that stuff. But um, are you watching it in sub or dub? Uh, dub. Dub. Oh, you have to do the English voices? It, first off, that's kind of what I grew up with. Yeah. You know, I watched it on Toonami and everything, so I grew up with it, with, you know, that voices. So, while I have kind of adjusted to the Japanese voices as well, like, I have watched, like, a lot of subbed things and everything, mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, I kind of do what I'm doing now, and I let it run in the background. I see what you here. mean, yeah. I've got two screens, and I'll sit here and just grind and kind of listen to it in the background and kind of keep looking over. Especially and when they're in the cell games, you don't need to hear them screaming and grunting for five that's minutes. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just I, you know, want, I, I've been watching that right now. I run do a run through of that. Um, I'm a very big metalhead. Uh, oh, okay. Also into a lot of like, uh, I'm getting more into like punk and everything lately. But uh, if I went and dug through that nice little um, <laughs> closet back there, maybe just on the floor here. But um, I could pull out like my big, you know, my patch vest <laughs> and everything. I used to um, be really into rock and roll and metal and all that. It's, I mean, I, I still enjoy listening to it, but I'm so addicted to podcasts now. Where yeah, on my commute I to work. I haven't gotten to that point. I, and I'm honestly, I'm feeling that itch. Like I need. 
Um, there's definitely a few that I want to look at. Like a lot of my friends are involved in podcasts and everything. A lot yeah. of friends that I've made over the last year. And before, like at work at my old job, I worked at a pizza place. Yeah. And because I worked at a pizza place, you know, you've got a big stereo going, mm-hmm. and you're sharing music between everyone. So I had like a work playlist, and had to play that for everyone. And it kind of had, you know, even though I'm more of like a hardcore metal head, so I'll, I'll listen to like screeching black metal that no one's ever heard of that has like two <laughs> followers on Bandcamp. Like, That's you funny. know, I've I've gotten re- I've started to get really out there with my metal choices, um, because you know I, I've heard all of the ones that everyone knows basically it's like i need something fresh yeah but there's nothing fresh out there because it all is stuff that i've heard before um do you like baby so, metal yeah baby metal is not too bad but yeah. i also have a bit of an affinity for um certain brands of like j-pop and everything yeah uh i'm a fan of like yumi hamazaki um x japan is actually one of my favorite bands of all time um so there's just a lot of different things I like with that. Um, but, uh, like, so that that's how I would, like, listen to things at work before. Okay. You know, I put on a playlist that was a lot of like, classic rock. There was a bit of pop in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, more, radio, you know, maybe not, like, the crazy black metal, but I have, like, radio metal. You have a little bit of Metallica, a little bit of Anthrax. Um, or even, like, you know, going more mainstream, like Hailstorm, Breaking Benjamin, things like that. And I, you were basically limited to music, and that was it. Now I'm at Cool Stuff, and we do headphones. So I get a little more of a personalized thing, and obviously that means, hey, now I get to listen to like my crazy metal again. I get to listen to my, my hardcore punk. <laughs> and I get to actually, because I get to sit there with headphones, we have Wi-Fi, whereas my old job didn't. Yeah. I get to try listening to like a bunch of the albums that have been like on my backlog. So, like, I've been actually, like, listening to a lot of albums that I haven't had a chance to listen to before or else, checking out their, uh, like, Spotify radios, radio stations for different artists that yeah. I like. I'm picking up new artists. So, I've been kind of building my taste, but then I'm seeing, like, you have a podcast. My friends uh, over at Color Commentary have a podcast. Yep. Um, friends Magic Mics have a podcast, which I used to watch all the time on Twitch, at, but... Now that it's at eleven o'clock at night, doesn't end until about twelve fifteen, twelve thirty yeah, in the morning. Late. And I need to be up at six in the morning. Um, I have my friends uh over at you know, Proven Combatants. I just have I just have so many friends on cool podcasts. I'm sure there's other great ones as well. It's just like I really should just probably like download some of these at some point and actually check them out. Yes, yes. So if there's one podcast that I completely recommend, it's non magic related, but one of my favorite podcasts ever. Um, do you like history? Somewhat. Like like old history. Um, so if you're a fan of history, you need to look up hardcore history. Um, nice. It so, is. It is. I, I, I definitely love me some old school stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, for one, people might not know. Like I'm a Norse pagan. Like so, I'm into like a lot of that old history with a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I'm a movie nerd. And because of that, like, I like a lot of silent films, even. Like, mm-hmm. um, I have to go grab it here. Hopefully, you can't see too much of the mess in my room. But no, no, it's okay. Give one second. All right. No problem. So, she is getting something from. So, we were talking about movies. So, oh, okay. Nice. So, that is a picture of um, 
Oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? I know exactly who it is, but I'm blanking on the name right now. It's Charlie Chaplin. Yes, sure of course. Chaplin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a big drawing that I did in my drawing That's class awesome. back in college. Like, I just, I love a lot of old school stuff. Uh, so obviously, if you can't tell, I do like to draw. I'm actually, um, wanted to be like more of an artist when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and I don't really see that as a, you know, for what I was intending to do, like with college, was like I went for a business administration degree first. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'll get a practical degree, get a decent job with it, and then I'll go back for like my passion. I'll go back for like art, yeah, and take my skills that I've learned and put them towards like making art like an actual viable thing. Yep. I don't see that as possible. Anymore. Yeah, um, I have my degree in graphic design, so I understand <laughs> what you mean. <laughs> well, I see other things. I see other potential possibilities. Obviously, in the last year, um, I've grown uh, more in the magic community. Mm -hmm. I've played more. And what it's given me is a lot more personal feedback. It's given me, like, hey, like maybe there's things to this that I can do. Like, my stream is taking off. Yep. Well, it's taking off because, you know, I'm I'm putting myself out there. I'm doing a lot of this. But part of being good with streaming and getting yourself, getting known is marketing yourself, doing well with that. And yep. um, also I've been, you know, getting, you know, getting a bit more of like a following with like Twitter, things like that. And I look at these and go, maybe I could do something else, build some skills with that. And, you know, I start to look at, like, I took, um, as part of my business curriculum back in college, I took a marketing class. And I'm like, hey, I did really well with this. I actually really enjoyed it. And it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but this kind of also feels like it ties in a little bit towards what I do with um, my streaming. Yeah. I'm like, could I do something with that? So I, where I used to be more into art, I'm not so much anymore because I feel like I've naturally found an affinity for other venues instead yeah yeah no it's um you're right especially with content creation i mean it's so much of it is self-promotion and getting yourself mm -hmm. out there and i mean like with my podcast for instance recording that's the easiest part to do um right. it's the editing and post-production and then getting it out there and getting it known and it's i've been mm -hmm. doing this for over two years and this has been the first year where I've actually really gotten wizard's attention for anything. And right. for the first, like the first two years before this, it's like, it felt like I was talking in the void, you know, like no one was listening. Right. Yeah. When I did, when I started doing my streaming, obviously like it started to kind of, you know, people can kind of been paying attention to it over the last, like I said, roughly about a year. Yeah. Um, last, uh, August, it caught a little bit of people's attention that steamrolled a little bit or that um, mm -hmm. snowballed a little bit more in uh, October. I didn't really do much during September, but in October, like um, particularly, I remember during that uh, one of my copper challenge runs, I did, um, I streamed actually quack shot alongside it. I think I, as I mentioned previously. Um, and for some reason during that stream, I got like 60, 80 followers. In nice. one go. And it was just like, what is happening here? <laughs> you know? And then, um, and that just kind of progressed and built up from there. And in the last uh, like week and a half, two weeks now, um, I finally cracked my thousand follower mark on Twitch. That's awesome. It was great. I loved it. But um, 
you know. Um, but that's coming from like obviously like I said, you know, it was last like July, August that I finally started cracking something. Yeah. But when I had like at the beginning before I started cracking something, I was at like fifty five followers. It took me a year and a half to build up to fifty five followers like that. So it went from like a year and a half of like barely anything to nothing to all of a sudden it's snowballing into something. It's just it's tough. You have have to keep at it. Yeah, exactly. You just got to stick with it. And, And and a lot of things I even had an episode where I talked about, you know, starting content creation. A lot of it is, you know, if you're serious about doing it, you really need to come up with a plan of how to attack it. You can't just assume, oh, if I just, you know, click on a button to stream or click on a button to make a video or podcast people are going to come to it no it's not that simple it's not as simple i mean hey some people may get lucky to where you know hey a month later they're at a thousand followers or something like that but Mm -hmm. for the majority of us it's it's a lot harder than that you know yeah and you've got to find your niche too yeah i mean that's kind of what happened with me i remember um there's like some discards popper and i would like you know they had like a content channel for that and there was like a couple streamers who would put into there and I would put it into there and I got it definitely got some follows out of that mm-hmm. um, but also as I started like I said you know building myself through Twitter or things like that and I kind of bounced off of one another and you know started building from there so you know you definitely got to stick with it find your niche find what you're good at because like I could sit here and stream like cube all day and get no one because yep. you know I'm I'm decent at cube but I'm not like super great at it. I just I do it to have fun and do yeah. silly things with it, and um, I enjoy it because it's fun. And it only happens every so often. I usually end up losing tickets, but I don't necessarily mind that I'm losing tickets because I'm having fun with it. And oh, yeah, for um, sure. but nobody wants to stream like someone just having fun necessarily. They do, but they don't. You know. So um, yeah. But they want to see you not just having fun, but being good at it, too. Now, obviously, when I play Popper, Elves is kind of like Tier 1.5, Tier 2. It's not quite Tier 1, but it's kind of there. And sometimes it cracks that edge. Right now, at least on the tournament level, we're seeing a little bit more of a resurgence again. Saw a, a really strong showing at Rags to Riches this past weekend. We had three in the top eight. Uh, for the popper challenge that we had yesterday, we had two in the top eight for elves. So, like, I mean, it's been making a bit of a showing again lately. Um, obviously, I took it down, or I took down SCG Con's classic event with it. So it definitely has legs still as a down. Yeah. But um, but it gets hated out too easily. So like, I'll take it into leagues on Magic Online and get shredded by like burn and pestilence yeah. and. <laughs> Like everything, like it's just, it's actually, it's not fun for me to play elves in leagues anymore. I, I basically, um, I've been like switched over to like Boros and Boggles and things like that. Decks that like I know that aren't elves that I can still yeah. have fun with and still like crack some skulls with. Good. Um, but, but in like the challenges, which are actual like tournament tournaments, because you're not going to face so much of those like crazy decks that people are just running in leagues because it's, a lower like the lowest entry short of like for fun play um you get a lot more rogue decks and because of that you know but in like an actual tournament setting 
you're not going to see so much of that. Like, Affinity is classified usually as, like, a top deck of the format, and it's really prevalent in, like, leagues and things like that. But then you get into, like, these challenges, Rags to Riches, SGCon yeah. Classic. Affinity does decently, but it very rarely top eight. Hmm. So, you know, it, it doesn't do it as often. It depends on how much... It's like, you know, with Modern or something yeah. like that. How much artifact hate are you going to see? If people are packing a lot of artifact hate, Affinity does poorly. Yeah. But then they, but then Affinity stops showing up. Guess what happens? People stop <laughs> packing the artifact hate, and Affinity suddenly does well again. Yeah. So it happens, but it's not as prevalent in like tournaments as it is leagues. And um, like I'm seeing that with like elves or something like that. So. Um, but you know, people come to see, because it's not like a top tier deck. You know, people like. You know, I, I feel like I'm just playing it to have fun with it. I'm not playing Delver. I don't like playing Delver. Yeah. Um, I do it sometimes. It's fine. I will never stream with Tron, at least in Popper. Um, if I did it in Modern, I guess I could. I wouldn't be thrilled because I then I'd be playing Tron. But, <laughs> um. But I could play it because it's a pretty straightforward deck. You get your turn three, you get your Karn, you get your Worm Coil, and you're done. But with like Poppertron, you have to think: what's my option? What's my line with Mystical Teachings? What do I grab off of Forget Forbidden Alchemy? If I ditch a creature, can I ditch a creature and get it back with like Pulse of Marasa? You know, how quickly can I do my clicks back and forth between Wall or Mnemonic Wall and? in Robohor or my two mnemonic walls to start getting some value back. Yeah. There's so many lines and so much clicking. I've, you know, I can do decently with it on my own standards, but you know, I, I, I can still like almost time out. And then I actually stream and I will time out every time. Cause then on top of that, then I have a chat trying to tell me like, Hey, no, instead of doing, you should be doing Y, <laughs> which slows down my plays even yep. further. And because I'm second guessing myself in front of like a huge, you know, Twitch chat, and, and they'll get you. They're vicious sometimes. Oh yeah, they're they're they'll they're, shred you. They're they're quick to tell you how bad you are at the game when they oh, can't yeah. even play themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, but I like Boros Monarch, but obviously um, so Elves isn't like tier one. At least all the time. Yeah. But so I'm playing like a set, like a sort of like second rate deck. It's still very strong. And if you didn't have some of the things like some of the sweeper cards or things like spell starter sprite to kind of keep the deck in check, it would just steamroll the format. It's just, it is incredibly strong for what it does. And people have said that it's just, it's the deck that will crush opponents, especially if they're not prepared for it. Um, but uh, is very fragile in and of itself. And um, so people come and they like to see me in part because I'm not playing like Delver yeah. or Boros. I'm, I'm not playing the same deck that everybody's playing every week. And then it just happens to be that I'm really good with this particular deck. And from what I understand, I don't always feel this way myself, but people apparently enjoy my commentary on the games, on the matches. Like, I can, even though I don't play Delver, I've played enough matches against Delver that I can say, my opponent's probably got X, they're probably going to do this. 
and this is probably how it's going to play out. Oh, it played out like that? Okay, cool. Oh, it didn't play out like that? Okay, so then this is probably what happened. This is probably what happened. Why? And at first nice. it just started It just started like that because um, I just like to talk. Yeah. I, I would even, even when I'm not streaming, I would basically talk to myself like that and try and like verbalize the plays. You know, obviously I can't do that at like a tournament where my opponent is going to be <laughs> But when I'm doing it at home, and I'm at my computer and there's nobody else around, I can just do that all day. Yep. So what it first started as, it just started with me just basically talking. It's just me doing it like I normally would. It's like basically like I'm sitting here playing Magic, just like I normally would, but I have the camera on. And then occasionally I'm eyeballing the Twitch chat and seeing what's going on. But it wasn't really like a focus. Yeah. And it just happened that people enjoyed my just talking and saw it as like really good commentary. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. So, you know, it's definitely about finding your niche and finding where you're good. Um, Because that's what people look for. They want to find something that's unique. They could just, anybody could turn on a camera. In fact, there was something I saw on Reddit. You know, there's people who continuously stream and they'll stream to zero to two viewers. Which that's so sad. I read that article too. I I didn't read the actual article, but I saw it. Yeah. And um, and I know f- I have friends like that. I try and support them yeah. all the time, but not everybody wants to see them. You know, maybe they just and they don't. Turn some on people camera. just aren't entertaining too. You know, I mean, right? Exactly. So, so I they, think I uh, found my niche. Just speaking of, I think I'll continue to do EDH dance parties. That's and- fine. <laughs> and, and hey, more power to you. You know, EDH is fun. I have done a couple streams with people. Um, I've only done like one or two on my own yeah. channel, um, but I've joined uh, my friend Erin Campbell. Yeah, I've joined her for a couple of streams with uh, EDH with friends, and we have a blast. You know, it's a great time, and we're in like, I, I like to grind. I just play Magic Online, and I do it really just because I enjoy the game. Yeah, It wasn't really meant to be like, hey, I want to be super competitive with this. It's just kind of evolved into that. Yeah. It happened. It went from, I like playing this game. I want to play it more. I want to play it all the time just because I like it that much to, hey, I'm actually doing like pretty decently in some decent sized tournaments. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe I could kind of like push my game a little bit yeah. more. And um, it wasn't really meant to be that, even just like streaming in general. The whole reason I started streaming was because, like I said, I couldn't get out to like stores and play anymore. Because the way my job was doing things and the mm-hmm. way that it switched me around, I couldn't get out to FNM. I couldn't get out for even just like a Saturday night draft or something like that. So me my option for playing magic was play magic online yep. or nothing. <laughs> so yeah. um since I didn't really have much of an option, I said, you know what, I'm gonna stream. That way not only am I just playing magic, but I'm also still getting a bit of that social interaction from other people. And just kind of evolved into something I never expected it to evolve to. No, and it's great. It's great to see the growth that you've had and experience. I mean, you're a popper champion now. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> you're I've, um I've got that somewhere here. I don't know where it is. <laughs> My room is trashed right now. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I can find it. No, Whatever. but that sure. but you know that's really cool. You've seen a lot of growth this past even this past year and you know it's so I, I guess to sort of start wrapping things up here, where do you see yourself going from here? Like what what what's in store for, 
you know, the Maverick girl. Do you have any plans, any future mm. plans or anything? I'm trying different things. Um, obviously, I'm trying to find where I stand right now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm struggling a little bit. Because, um, again, I feel like I'm trying to do some paper events and I'm trying to do some online stuff. What I find is that I'm kind of struggling between the two a little yeah. bit. So I'm probably going to end up focusing more online a little bit more and just kind of play some offline events where I'm able to. I'm not going to make a focus. Like I was kind of like thinking like, hey, I'm going to do like two magic events per week and then do streaming on top of that. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it's it's taken away from uh, doing both at the same time like that is taking away from the other one. Um, so it, it's trying to just find my middle ground right now. And once I do that, just kind of go from there. Even if I don't play as much at a paper level locally, um, I still have GP Orlando coming up next month. Yes, and, cannot wait. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is next month. Yep. And um, I am definitely playing in that main event. I don't know how well I'm going to do. I only ha- The only standard deck I have currently is Mono Red. And I will see you there too, by the way. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, Mono Red is kind of on a bit of a downtrend right now in this, in this uh, metagame. Yeah. Um, it might go back up a little bit before uh, everything happens. And I'm keeping an eye on how the format grows and changes mm-hmm. and evolves. I played a PTQ this weekend and definitely saw some really interesting decks. So I'm just curious to see where this goes. Um, but I don't know what I'm going to be able to play because I don't know what I'm going to have. I just uh, redeemed two full Dominaria sets on Magic Online. But I don't know how that's going to go. So, you know, me playing in paper is maybe a little bit limited. Um, I'm also going to go to um, the next SCG Con event, which is going to be at the beginning of December. Okay. Um, because, because I did well in the um, Classic, mm-hmm. um, top four, the top four players for that event each got uh, qualified for the Invitational. Oh, nice. So I am going to end up having to go to the next SCG Con event because that's where the Invitational is being held. So um, I will definitely be there and playing for a top prize in that. We'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, like I said, it's 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 finding where I stand right now. Because um, I would say, um, you know... Over you know a couple years, like I said, I've been playing Magic almost twenty years, casually for fun, building up new competitive level where, you know, I'm doing well with decks and I don't yeah. expect to. Um, obviously, I, I took uh, when I went to GP Seattle, I went um, eight no on day one this year, and um, ended up with a ten five finish, got my first ever professional point. Didn't expect anything of that. I expected to go and say, "Hey, I'm going to play this event because you got to try." Yep. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't try. You know, it's the whole old statement. You know, you miss exactly 100% of the shots that you don't take. Yep. So I'm like, I got to take the shot, and if I don't, then I have all these people that I've been making friends with on Twitter. I have all these cool popper side events, so I have things that I'll do. I'll try the main event. If I fail cool, I'm going to have a great time no matter what happens. Yep, exactly. And um, and that happened to me when I went to Star City, uh, the Star City Open in Tampa. Like, this was like 2012, 2013, something like that. I literally bought Tempered Steel on the spot and took it to the main event because this was like right when Modern came out, so I wanted yeah. to build Modern Affinity. 
and I said, hey, all these parts are pretty much the same parts as Tempered Steel. I'm waiting on a modern side event. The main event entry is $30. How's that for inflation for one? Yeah, I know, right? Um, (laughs) So I'm like, you know what? I'll just go. I'm here to have fun. I'll go play the standard main event. We'll see what happens. And there was like 400 players, and I ended up in like 21st place or something. And uh, ended up like, I only got $50, but I still cash. And it was like, I literally picked up the deck that day. So you never know what's going to happen. You can, you know, find yourself thinking you're just an okay player. And the next thing you know, you're doing amazing. Um, There was one player, I can't remember his name now. Um, But he was the vehicles player who made top eight of GP Seattle. And he's the same way. He was just like a teacher who just decided to go to the Seattle event and have a good time and try the main event. And just happened to go 8 day one and found himself beginning all the way up in the top eight. And he wasn't expecting it. And he was just, you could see him at the top eight table. And he, he ended up losing in those quarterfinals. Yeah. He was all smiles. He was beaming. <laughs> he was having oh, I would be too. Hell yeah. Life. Yeah. And I can't blame him. And and that's how I feel. You know, what happens, happens. I want to keep evolving my play. I've done things I just in the mail. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but I just picked up um, Pat Chapin's Next Level. Oh, yeah, I did see series. that. Yep. Because um, I just had a lot of extra store credit with Star City, and I was like, you know what, I'll pick these up. Be cool little reads. Um, even if it doesn't do much, even if it's stuff I already know, I figure there's some things in there. There's got to be some things in there that can help me up my game. And it's like, I'll try. I'll make an effort. If I don't get there, then I'm just, I know where I stand. I'm a good player. Even if I'm not pro, like top tier pro level, I'm still a good enough player that I can play pretty well. I am having fun with it still. You know, I'm obviously enjoying a job where I'm constantly interacting with this game every single day of my life. Yeah. And... I'm having a great time with it. I just no, want that's I'm, good. I intend to keep building my stream at some point. I'm struggling to figure out, obviously, like I said, a schedule, um, exactly what I'm doing. There's a lot of people that really want me to push, like Popper and everything, but then there's people that also want to see me start doing more modern, standard, and other formats. So it's you know you only have so many days during the week. Oh, I know. <laughs> so if you, if you do two streams a week, uh, and you have like four formats that you want to cover what are you covering this week and so it's it's a juggle to find your own identity and um yeah that that is a perfect way to put it struggling to find your own identity especially with any kind of content it's it's tough right it's it's like it's like i said i love popper and i love the format but i want to do other things too but people have gotten to know me through popper so they kind of want to see more popper I've had, I remember I had that right after SCGCon, my first stream was like, I didn't do Popper, I did like EDH. And people were coming in expecting to see me do Popper, and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing EDH, guys, sorry. <laughs> oh, well. I'm here to have some fun. Yeah. And um, so I want to keep building it, I want to keep doing things, and I want to just, I, ultimately, and as I would encourage anyone involved in the game, playing the game, doing anything, I just want to have an absolute fucking blast with this game i want to have the time of my life and i want to have fun playing it no, and if it's good well and that other people are enjoying seeing what i'm doing then that's just icing on the cake for me and i'll be frank with you to this day 
you know, I see the numbers I get on Twitch. I see all this other stuff, and frankly, I I can't believe sometimes that people want to see me just sit down and play Magic, like I've been doing for almost 20 years of my life. Yeah, no, I 100% know how you feel. So I'm, I'm surprised anybody ever wants to listen to me ramble sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that's great. So where can people find you at? Um, so obviously I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter.com slash uh, the Maverick Gal. Someone else oh, had God, already G-A-L. taken the Maverick. Someone, someone had already taken the Maverick Girl, so I couldn't use it there. And um, also obviously twitch.tv uh, slash the Maverick Girl. And then I just happen to be active on some other areas too. You can find, you know, sometimes I'll be popping up on uh, Reddit, certain Facebook groups. There's a proper Facebook group I pop up on there. A couple of Discord groups I'm involved in. So I'm just kind of around here and there. Okay, great. Great. Well, so I will be sure to have links in the show notes so yep. people can and look I'll you up. Throw you a YouTube link that you can toss into the description as well. Okay, great. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on and taking time out of your night to mm-hmm. um, come and just chat with me about magic. I'd love to have you on again some other time. Absolutely. And, and I uh, love talking about magic. And <laughs> thank you for having me as well. Oh, thank you. Well, have a good night, okay? You as well.